does red meat intake increase the incidence of type 2 diabetes? So a very fantastic new study was just published by the group out of Harvard. And the whole idea behind this study was to look at does red meat intake increase the risk of type 2 diabetes? This was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition on October 19th, 2023. So this is fresh, fresh, fresh. Um, and this is a group out of Harvard. And obviously, uh, it, was, it was done. It was very, very well done. But it's also important to note that this was not an epidemiological food recall study. This was a prospective cohort study. They took these large amounts of people and for the next 30 years had them do a food questionnaire every two to four years as well as weigh every morsel of food in grams for seven days and they compared and validated what they called it calibrated the food logs to the food questionnaires to see how well they recalled it so this was not a what did you eat 30 years ago questionnaire study. This was a prospective cohort study, which is usually better than a retrospective epidemiological food recall questionnaire style study. Now those have their place too, but this was not one of those. I think it's important to point that out because a lot of times that gets lost in the mix. While people like to criticize these studies saying, oh, it's just like one of these, what did you say 30 years ago kind of studies? That is not true. It is not a, what did you say 30 years ago study? It was, we're going to follow you for the next 30 years. Every two to four years, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Not only that, for seven days, we want you to weigh and record every single piece of food that you put in your mouth. And we're going to see if your food logs match your food questionnaire results and then go from there and follow it from there. And they corrected literally for everything. A lot of times people say, well, you know, there's this healthy user bias, you know, the people who eat red meat probably eat cheeseburgers and pop tarts and mayonnaise and hot dogs and all this garbage food. They actually in the questionnaire corrected for all that. They compared people who ate similarly to people who ate similarly people who ate healthy to more people who ate healthy, people who had more what had more servings of fruit every week, more servings of nuts, legumes, Mediterranean-style diets versus non. I mean, they literally did everything they could to get rid of all covariates. They looked at race, ethnicity. They looked at zip codes. They looked at socioeconomic status. They looked at uh, income because you don't want to compare somebody who eats processed meat because that's all they can find you know, in the grocery store because it's super cheap and it's on sale in a food desert area to wealthy people buying food from Trader Joe's who could, you know, get the leanest cut of grass-fed, organic, whatever, whatever you have. So they, they corrected for all of that. They compared people with the same socioeconomic status, smoking status, BMI, race, gender, ethnicity, um, covariates, including pre-existing disease states and non-disease states, developing disease states, what medications they were on, what medications they weren't on, how much fruits, vegetables, legumes, rice, you know, what their overall diet looked like. They did not compare, you know, they did not leave a stone unturned when they were doing the study. They wanted to make sure this study was about as good as it gets when it comes to cohort food type studies. 
and this is what they found. Now, of course, this database and these studies are huge, and I'm sure they'll be publishing more information in the future, but this was a fantastic uh, study with this regard. Um, food frequency questionnaires have been validated. What is a food frequency questionnaire? It is like me asking you, what, did, what do you eat? You know, what do you normally eat? They have found that when you ask somebody, what did you eat yesterday? They might not remember. Or like, what did you eat for breakfast today? They might not remember. But if you ask them, on average, how many servings of fish do you eat in a week? Or cheeseburgers or cereal or granola or salad or what have you, they generally know. And this study was unique because they not only did food frequency questionnaires every two to four years uh, since the baseline, which is quite frequent. Some of these studies, they'll do a food frequency questionnaire at the beginning, one after 15 years, and nothing in between. So the, the data may not be as solid, but this one they did food frequency questionnaires every two to four years. But not only that, what made this one even more special is that they would have the participants for seven days record every morsel of food they put in their mouth in grams. So like if I ate three red grapes, I would weigh them and record them. If I ate uh, six ounce of salmon, 168 grams of salmon filet that was grilled, they would weigh it and record it. And they validated, or let's say calibrated, they call it calibrated, they calibrated the food frequency questionnaires to the actual data and the weighed macros in grams that the participants were recording. So not only did they have the food frequency questionnaires, but they also had the participants record the exact foods that they were eating for seven days uh, every so often and then compare it to the results of the food frequency questionnaire so that they can tell whether this was actually accurate or uh, you know consistent. Now, why did they do this study? Because first of all, there's been this debate about whether or not red meat actually uh, causes or doesn't cause or helps improve type 2 diabetes. Now, the data in the past has shown that when you eat a diet full of inflammatory materials like saturated fat, which I've gone over that data extensively, saturated fat is highly inflammatory. It raises almost all of your inflammatory markers. But the question was, if you eat an inflammatory diet, can it exacerbate some of these inflammatory type, you know, diseases, insulin resistant, what have you? Because other, other studies have been done, and I have lists of them, and actually I have a whole chapter in my book dedicated to uh, red meat and insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity, but there's a whole host of studies, you know, a list of them, showing that red meat intake was associated with increased risk of type 2 diabetes. So these researchers wanted to say, well, can we take away the healthy, you know, healthy living bias? Because the question is, or that if, if somebody eats red meat, they're probably also eating ultra-processed food, a hot dog, hot dog buns, uh, Pop-Tarts, what have you, because they don't care about their health. They've been told all these years that red meat's bad for you, so they're eating red meat. They don't view themselves as quote-unquote healthy people, so there's this healthy user bias where red meat eaters are generally not healthy, so maybe that's why they are more prone to diseases, right? So that's kind of uh, what they wanted to answer. What if we took away the healthy user bias by uh, doing really well done food frequency questionnaires? And they also wanted to see what would happen with a swap. 
if we took away one serving of red meat per week and we swapped it for nuts or legumes, what would be the uh, result? So it was a fascinating study and it, and it was really, really well done. Um, they had 5.4 million person years of follow-up, which is a lot. And they documented 22,761 cases of type 2 diabetes. So they looked at total red meat intake, processed red meat intake, and unprocessed red meat intake. Because a lot of these people online, these crazy medfluencers are like, well, you guys eat too many processed red meats. You're eating the bologna and the salami and the sausage. Why don't you just eat pure red meat like ribeye? You know, they looked at that. And I'll tell you the results in a second here. So... Just as background information, it was a very, very well done study, taking away all of the possible uh, confounders and covariates because they looked at a lot of covariates too. They adjusted for smoking, BMI, you know, all of this stuff. And they used a, a pretty healthy population. The uh, study participants were from the Nurses Health Study 1, the Nurses Health Study 2, and the Health Professionals Follow-Up Study, the uh, NHS 1, NHS 2, and HPFS. So huge databases, generally healthcare professionals, we think, are healthier and more educated. You never know. But generally, based on zip codes and population data, they live in areas that have a higher income, mostly went to college. Obviously, you know, if they're health professionals, went to college, nursing school, medical school, what have you. And this is what they found. So let me just give you the rundown. They found that... Um, Intakes of total processed and unprocessed red meat were positively and approximately linearly associated with higher risks of type 2 diabetes. So comparing the highest and lowest quintiles, and quintiles, for those of you who don't know, is if we took all of the participants who ate red meat to the, the top 20% who ate the most red meat, the next 20%, the next 20%, the next 20%, down to the bottom 20%, those are quintiles. So when you compare the highest quintile of red meat eaters to the bottom quintile of red meat eaters based on food frequency questionnaires and the calibrated data from the food frequency logs or their actual logs, this is what they found. The highest and lowest quintiles, they compared them. There was a 62% increase for total red meat, a 51% increase for processed red meat, and a 40% increase for unprocessed red meat. So, of all of them, the unprocessed red meat had the lowest, which was still 40%. And if you did total or everything all together, um, it was uh, uh, 62%. Now, um, they also looked at, well, what if you substituted one serving of meat with a one serving of nuts and or legumes? Um, they found that there was a 30% reduction for uh total red meat intake, if you did the swap with total, there was a 41% reduction if it was processed, and for unprocessed, it was a 29% reduction. So if you told someone eating, for example, processed red meat to sub out one, one single time, one single serving a day for nuts and legumes, there was a 41% reduction in uh, uh, incidence of type 2 diabetes, which is fantastic. Um, the other fascinating thing is they also corrected for these covariates that are the healthy bias. So they looked at the baseline diets of these people. You know, they, you know, somebody might say, well, you know, people who eat red meat are more likely to eat junk food. Well, they actually corrected for that. 
They compare, they look, they, the food frequency questionnaires ask people how many servings of fruit do you have in a week, how many servings of nuts, legumes, salads, you know, condiments, sauces, salad dressings, whatever. They ask all of that data and they compare it obviously to their food frequency logs. And they found that when you controlled for everything else and only used red meat as your variable, these were the results. And so that's why it's such a powerful study. Um, they also, when they used the calibrated data, meaning the data that was, uh, you know, what the what they logged, they logged, I ate 85 grams of this, I ate 28 grams of that. When they used the uncalibrated data, that's the results you got. They said that the observed the observed associations between red meat intake, total, processed, unprocessed, became stronger after the data was calibrated. The dietary intake uh, was calibrated. So this is actually uh, incredibly amazing that they even thought of this. So I think what they wanted was to remove all doubt that red meat intake uh, worsened or increased uh, type 2 diabetes without any of the confounders that generally people like to argue. People online will say, well, it was an epidemiological study. Well, it was a food frequency study. Well... It was, you know, what was their baseline diet? These weren't healthy people if they're eating that much red meat anyways. They're probably also smokers and obese and whatever. Well, you know, wh wh how, why didn't they tell them to log their food? What if you substituted out this or that? Like, you know, they use all these things to try to make an argument that the data is invalid or the study sucks or, you know, you're just, you guys are just publishing junk data and you guys are publishing all this. Well, it's not true. Um, they they controlled for all that, and they even controlled for BMI. They obviously did find, as always, with any insulin resistance study, that the people who had higher BMI had slightly higher red meat, uh, or had slightly higher insulin resistance. That's not a question. They did correct for that as well. So there wasn't anything that they left out. They looked at pretty much everything you can imagine um, to try to eliminate all forms of doubt. And it looks like in the study, they did a really, really uh, good job of that. So um, my thoughts on this, obviously, there's been a lot of data in the past showing that red meat intake increases inflammation, increases insulin resistance, increases whatever. I don't know that we know all the mechanisms. We know that heme iron can interfere with pancreatic cells, you know, insulin and all that. Um, we know that saturated fat is inflammatory, so maybe there's a component there. And we know some of these things just, you know, over time, these are associations we found, but I don't think there's ever been a study that's this well done to prove this. And and leave no doubts, like none of the medfluencer crazy crowd, the carnivore crowd, whoever, can argue with this study unless they just don't understand science. Like there's always these people that just have no idea what they're talking about, but they're suddenly like nutrition and carnivore and diabetes experts. They all think they're, I'm the insulin resistance king and I understand diabetes. Like, like no, you don't. Just sit down. You know, let's talk about this. You don't even know what you're actually saying based on the comments you're making, the uh, posts you're making and the, you know, how you self-describe yourself or all that, what you repost, etc. So this was actually a fantastic, very well done study. Highly recommend uh, everybody uh, reads this now. The problem is it's not uh, it's not free access. You do have to pay for it, and um, you can ask your institution to get it for you if they 
uh, have it, but I'm, you know, I, I can get these kind of things, fortunately for me, because I'm a professor of medicine at multiple schools. So things like this are easy to access, but I definitely uh, think this is one that's really worth reading and I highly recommend uh, that everybody access it. And I know a lot of these publications are not free for a while. Like when they're first released, you have to pay. But as after six months, they do become free. And if you want to find it, it's in the Journal of the American, the, the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. The lead author was Gu, G-U, first name X-I-A-O, Xi Gu. Not sure how to pronounce that. There's also Jean-Philippe Druin Chatier, Frank Sachs, Frank Hugh, Bernard Rosner, and then obviously the always infamous Harvard researcher that's very famous, not infamous, but very famous, very well known, the uh, Walter Willette, W-I-L-L-E-T-T, -T, published October 19th, 2023. I'm pretty sure that at some point this will become uh, free and everyone can uh, download it and uh, watch it or read it, I should say. Um, but definitely highly recommend this one. Save this one for your... Uh, you know, databases, excellent study, pretty much covered everything, um, removed almost all forms of bias, healthy user bias, um, food frequency log bias, recall, you know, bias, um, using the macros, you know, tracking bias, you know, all that stuff, every, everything you can imagine um, was thought of, and they did a really, really good job. So it's fantastic. Now, does this mean you shouldn't ever eat red meat? No, no one is saying that. I'm, I do eat red meat. It's not every day. It's occasionally. Um, one of my kids really likes steak. You know, most kids do. But it's definitely not, um, you know, you don't have to completely eliminate red meat to be healthy. Like I said, I, I eat a Mediterranean-style diet. And that's what I recommend. Click on my links to grab my uh, cookbook. It's a Mediterranean-style cookbook. A lot you, I do use lean meat. Don't eat red meat a lot. I use mostly uh, chicken, turkey, salmon, things like that. Things that are proven to be healthy without a question, without a shadow of a doubt absolutely proven to be healthy and uh, highly recommend that you do read this study pass this along to some friends if they have any questions or any doubts or how this happens or what happens with red meat i think it's a fascinating study very well done uh, please keep leaving me awesome reviews i love you guys i've been getting a lot and i truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart and i think you guys are going to love this one so take care i'll catch you uh, in the community if you want to discuss this peace